There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grumbacher, and we've got an awesome show for you coming up. This week, Centauri and I were joined by Lee Gertis. Lee is the founder and CEO of Brain State Technologies, an innovative company working on brainwave optimization. We had a great conversation that went from Lee's personal experience with the physical trauma, which led him down the path of brainwave optimization, to the reasons why people are excited about the technology and who benefits from it, to how people can take advantage of it and use it for themselves. You can find out more information about Lee and BrainState on their website, brainstatetech.com, as well as some other places that are listed in the show notes, and I definitely encourage you to check it out. If you'd like to get involved or take action on this topic, you can also click Contact Us in the show notes, and we'll get you what you need to make it happen. Thanks, as always, for listening. Remember to tell a friend. That's enough about that. Let's go. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Joining me, as always, is Centauri Minor. Hello, hello, everyone. Helping us move from awareness to action today is Lee Gertis, the founder and CEO of Brain State Technologies. Welcome, sir. Thank you. We're excited to be here. Centauri, how do you feel or do you feel that you're getting the most out of your brain? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I... I I think I'm probably getting more out of my brain than most people, but not getting the most, or it's not probably not optimized would be the best word for that. Okay. So you feel like you're getting above the 10%? Yeah. Yes, I do. Okay. All right. Very well. So Lee, thank you so much for your time today. In the short amount of time that you've known Centauri, do you feel like he's getting a lot out of his brain? Or <laughs> what is an awful question? <laughs> That's no, just horrible. I, I actually like the question. <laughs> See? Thank but, you. Great. Cool. The, 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 and, and all I would have to know really is how do you sleep? And like with the quality of sleep or how many hours or what are you asking? All of the above. All of the how above. do you sleep? Um, typically probably six hours a night and through the night. I've never had a problem sleeping before. And you wake rested? Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. See, he's probably pretty well on his way. Okay. All right. You ever had a concussion? No. Well, that's that's good too. <laughs> so now you got two two of the questions. He's he's positive on, so I would say that he he's on he's on his game. So yeah. skeptical George sounds like it. <laughs> Me just got told that I am indeed probably above average of my brain use. I, well, I didn't I, say that. Just just go <laughs> just, just say yes. <laughs> All kidding aside, uh, Lee, you launched your company in two thousand four. And now you are all over the world in, in over 100 countries, I, I believe. 19, actually. In 19. It's 120 locations. That, that was it in 19 countries. So it's impressive growth. How did, you, how did you get here or how did you go from 2004 to where we are today? Well, the question wasn't that as much um, because that's a relatively easy question. The brain is the organ of central command. Nothing in history has really shown us how to effectively utilize it. Mm -hmm. So what we've done in history is we've trained it. And in my day, y'all won't remember this, but in my day, it was called rote, you know? You, so I, I still remember the 
fifth or the kindergarten song A B C D E F G da 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 right I remember that yeah wrote and so they they train it they train the brain in other ways they repeat the drill they repeat the drill they repeat the drill right over and over and so that supposedly is a way to instill a pathway for the brain so first and foremost they use training and uh, culturally we use training too um, in the African communities, in the uh, Native American communities, and other communities, they use certain kinds of instrumentation to help that training, drumming, basically. Rhythm, right? Mm -hmm. And so that, that's the, that repetitive issue was helpful. So it was, but it's all about training. As we progressed, then somebody got the wild idea of, well, we have, quote unquote, chemical change. And so the brain is a chemical factory. So then culture looks at it like, oh, it's a chemical factory. And basically neuroscientists and most neurological science, they, they looked at it that way as a chemical factory. So if you change the chemical factory, what do you do? You change the person or you change the experience. Okay. So what do you do when you have it? What do you do inherently and historically? What do you do when you have depression? Antidepressant. Take a pill. It's easy. When you take that pill, you take, you, you, you change the chemistry to help instill or help change how the brain fires. But please understand what I just said. You're trying to change how the brain fires. The brain firing, the energy is what's key. So finally, in the third phase, they, people got the wild idea that, hey, we can change the energy. And all I have to do is hook you up to this electric socket over here, right? electroshock therapy and you know give you a little zap and and you change your energy well of course that didn't work very well in fact in fact is it is and was relatively barbaric in some instances most instances and so what we now have is other ways to change that energy we have deep brain stimulation they put a device inside hmm. or they have um, they use magnetic high magnetic resonance imaging uh, where they invade the brain with magnetic energy to try to change the energy. Or they have transcranial direct current stimulation. They shock it a little bit, you know, certain place to try to change the energy. All of that is trying to change the brain. None of that is allowing the brain to change. The essence here of what I ran into for myself is my brain was not good. I was assaulted. Four youth, one had a baseball bat. I had post-traumatic stress and mild-traumatic brain injury for eight years. Uh -huh. So I needed to get out from under this compromise. And as I thought about it, and as I thought about the brain, you know, this is an infinite system. So how in the world am I going to be able to tell infinity, you know, what in the world to do? I mean, I couldn't do that, right? I mean, I have an ego that gets in the way sometimes, but it's not that big for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to try to do it. Instead, I was going to find out what was going on in the brain. So I started hooking myself up and I looked at my different hemispheres, right? 
And I found out when I was feeling really bad, my hemisphere energy was very different. It was asymmetrical. When I was feeling less bad, my hemisphere energy wasn't as asymmetrical. So my mother didn't raise a fool. Actually, she did, but not this one. And so oh, <laughs> I, I said, oh, I guess we're live. Aren't we? yeah. uh, anyway, I said, so, um, in, you know, well, what about if it was symmetrical? I mean, this isn't rocket science. It's brain science, actually. It's much more complicated. <laughs> right. Just, you know. but, but really, it's, 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 it's not rocket science. It's not that hard. And so, but the question is, how? How do we do that? When we are, when we are, um, when we are made better, you know, when we have a healing touch, or we often re we relax. If we get up tight, we have to relax in order to take that edge off. Right. That's not complicated either. So the question then is, how can we relax the brain? Because what we're talking about is exactly the need for relaxation. It's firing too much here, as rather than on, on the left, rather than the right, or vice versa, whatever. And so we're trying to relax it, right? So in order to relax it, the question then came to me is, why did it fire higher or more on the one side? And so then, in a little bit of study, and it doesn't take very much really, open to everybody out there, you can see that the brain will change based on the need. The brain changed for me dramatically based on the need because the baseball bat was meeting my head in an intimate manner that wasn't appropriate, right? That same thing happens with football players and concussions. Same thing happens with soldiers. Same things happens with you when you go through life, when you lose people you love. The brain changes, and sometimes it'll change dramatically. So the question is not that it changes. We want it to need it to change, but will it come back? Mine didn't. Many don't. And when they don't come back and they don't become symmetrical again, then they can't function optimally, period. One of the key, key things I ask you when we started this this uh, interview was uh, how do you sleep, right? Do you wake rested? Do you feel good when you wake? And, and, and how long too? You know, you're a young guy, so yeah, six hours probably work. Old dog like me, you know, like probably seven, eight. But um, that's optimal, and now we've proven that. In fact, we've proven this. The U.S. military proved with 10,000 people going to a war theater the worst sleepers were much more highly likely to become post-traumatic stress people. Interesting. In fact, the worst sleepers were as likely to become post-traumatic stress people as were people who were directly in fire. Wow. That's how much. It's just, amazing. Just so I can try to keep up. So as the result of some kind of trauma, if it's physical or psychological, my brain responds to that to to protect itself to protect itself okay one way or the other a couple of ways it does i think it we, we believe it responds in a fight or flight way if if i'm being attacked or whatever and i can in fact get out of dodge if i can fight back or i can run away it'll be in fight or flight 
But when I'm overwhelmed by the situation, that's a different story. And then my brain responds by going into a freeze response. You know, a deer in the headlights kind of thing, right? Okay. And so a deer in the a, a freeze response means that blood reduces, is drawn from the extremities. Dinosaurus Rex can now come and eat off my hand if he has to, and <laughs> I won't bleed to death as readily, okay? okay. Uh, fight or flight means Dinosaurus Rex is coming, and I hear him, and I'm getting out of here. I think I can make a break for it. Yeah. So, so those are basically the different situations. In real life, it's quite tragic. When you think about it, if you have someone you dearly love, especially when that, if that person passes quickly, you know, anytime though, anytime, you, you'll go into a, more of a freeze response. Why? Because there's nothing you can do about it. Right. You can't run away. And you can't fight it. Right? And, you, and you can't fight it. Yeah. It's just life. And so our brain goes that way. And then it has a response to that, and we call that mourning. And sometimes that response is in mourning is kind of depressive, and sometimes right. And then various things will happen to us if it's too if it's too dramatic. So um, in terms of breakdown of health. And so the brain responds. The brain is the organ of central command. Everything. I mean everything. The way we feel. The way we think. How our bodies work. You know. The big question was, um, well, I mean, the cardiovascular system, that's the heart. I mean, that's the heart of the matter. But fact is, the brain drives the heart. Mm -hmm. It's not vice versa. Right. And so when, when, we, when we found, when we learned that, and by the way, American Heart Association said that in a press release, Brain State Technologies and Wake Forest University in clinical trials proved that last year, you know, pretty irrevocably. And, and, it, and it makes total sense, you know, when, when you're in a freeze response, your heart rate's going to go down, you know, everything's going to go in. When you're in a fight or flight, you're going to get up, right? You're going to run. Heart rate's going to increase. You need blood pumping to your extremities. So, of course, that's the way it is. And so, for us, all of this was so bloody simple. All we had to do is try to relax this, and if we could get it relaxed then it would start flowing. Going from um, the, the unfortunate trauma you had to where you are today, are you, are you yourself a neurologist? How did, you, how did the science come into play? <laughs> um, I'm an engineer. Okay. Uh, my background is math and physics, psychology and theology, and I've been in computer software for 30 years, 40 years, actually. Longer than you've been alive. A long time, right? And, and so... Um, and so, the, and so I looked at it as a computer network, basically. And um, in looking at it as a network, that kind of took, I couldn't get easily prejudiced. All I wanted to do is see it balance. I don't care how it works. Don't care. I just want it to balance. And isn't it, it was, it's been amazing, though, to watch in clinical trials where we see things like, hmm, um, postmenopausal hot flashes. You think, wow, that's a chemical issue. Really? It didn't seem to be. They, all were, they were all successful. <laughs> Turns out not, huh? Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it, it is wild. And maybe there's a vulnerability to folk 
at a certain age to certain things. And that vulnerability means that some fall over and, that, and that's an issue, right? That's a compromise of the brain, brain asymmetry. And then you relax it and it goes away. So you had this personal trauma and you said, I, I need to figure this out. So it hooked the brain up, you noticed readings were off, and your engineering mind kicked in and said, I think I figured this out. So how did you move to commercialize this? How did what? How did you bridge that gap? Well, it, it's not that I figured it out first. I really didn't figure it out. Instead, I I felt better, and I said to my kids, I said, "Well, you know, I'm sleeping better, and I'm not having panic attacks, and I can have people come up from behind me, and I don't, I'm not ready to tear their head off or whatever." But I haven't really changed that much. And they went, oh, dad, oh, my God. <laughs> and so, you know, when you have that mirror, right, and the kids are saying, oh, you totally changed everything. You don't even recognize. You, know, right. you never smiled. You on and on and on. And I thought, yeah, isn't that amazing? I experienced it. I didn't. After I was over, I didn't even recognize I experienced what I did. Right. So... What happened then was, um, I thought it appropriate to help some golfers. <laughs> and so that's why we moved to... Logical next step. Yep. <laughs> that's, <laughs> why, that's why I came to Scottsdale. Okay. And um, then we started working with some golfers, and then amazing things happened. They would come to us and say, well, you know, wow, I really sleep a lot better. You know, I've been feeling really down. Or, hey, I, I'm a lot sharper. Or on and on and on. So these stories started to grow and pretty soon we didn't have golfers. We had people seeking some kind of compromise and, and that developed, that's all. Why, why golfers? Yeah, why golf? Um, a, because I like golf Fair enough. And, and B, you know, I thought that would be um, a fun way to make a living just to work with golfers. Got it. I mean, by the way, we do work with some pros now too. But uh, at the time, that, that's what I was about. I didn't have any idea what we were doing. I see. So it's more, let's help these guys optimize and be better under pressure. And and golf, you know, I mean, think about... It's all mind. Yeah. A big... And where is it? It's not necessarily hitting 380-yard three, drives. It's, in fact, a lot of it's on the green or around the green. It's how you're control, self-controlling. Putt for dough, Centauri. Drive for show, putt for dough. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and so there you go. Nice. And so, that, and so that's what we were doing, but it ended up not being that. Um, and as, as luck would have it, or you could call it luck, um, and now it's 120,000 people around the world. How did you make the jump from you know what, I, I developed this technology, which is pretty cool. I think I can help these golfers get better at it to 120 locations all over the world. I'm a person of faith. Okay. My life was hell. I believed that I was saved basically with this technology and had a responsibility to take it to other people. That's good. And so I tried to do that. And you know what I did? I found other people who experienced a similar thing as I did with the technology and they joined the company and then they joined the company and then that, I mean, that's, are. and here we are. 
can you talk a little bit more about specifically the technology and PTSD and the work that it's done and uh, kind of revolutionizing that or how it's helped specific patients or if you have any stories or anecdotes about that? Well, there's when, when we're talking about post-traumatic stress, um, we're talking about a traumatic event and we're talking about the brain firing in one way or another. It's not necessarily fight or flight, by the way. It could also be freeze. But in one way or the other, it gets stuck. And so what we try to do, we don't even worry about the post-traumatic stress or the symptoms. In fact, we don't even worry about what you come in with. Don't ma doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. All we worry about is, hey, is that brain relatively symmetrical in various corresponding lobes? If it's not, let's try to relax it where it isn't. And, and that's, the key to, that's the key to it all. So when they did, we have done, though, clinical trials with post-traumatic stress, right? Um, significant trials. And those have been significantly successful. <laughs> um, and the reason is because that's a simple one. Post-traumatic stress is relatively simple, straightforward. We, we had the honor to work with double and triple amputees not too long ago. And as you can imagine, that trauma is a little much. So, you know, it's kind of hard for me as a man to meet a person and think, wow, you were serving me and now you don't have some of your limbs, mm -hmm. most of your limbs. And I, and I was just, I was honored to be able to do that. Of course, what do they face with? They don't sleep very well. They have post-traumatic stress as well as the, all the pain and the other stuff, right? But um, we just, we had, I hate to say a wonderful time with them, but we did have a wonderful mm -hmm. time with them. And, and the reason is because they could start to sleep. They could start to therefore have some refreshment, rejuvenation for themselves. They could start to think better more clearly. The pain started to diminish. But think about yourself. If, if, you, have a, if you have a shoulder injury, let's say, if you're lifting or working or something, you get your shoulder injured, and now you get all uptight at something at work or whatever. Well, I'm telling you that shoulder injury is going to be more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're going to feel it more. Right. And everybody's going to have that same experience. But if they could just relax more, you see, more deeply. And what if you could do that inside out? And inside out meaning you start mm -hmm. with the brain. So, as I'd imagine, but maybe not, can you tell us a little bit about any, um, any skeptics to the technology or probably uh, from an institutional standpoint, were there any universities or neurologists saying this just can't be? Or have you had really good partners and supporters in that? Well, I think pretty much everybody's skeptic. Yeah. I, I, I don't think... I think everybody's skeptic. Um, this is a new way to think about the world. You know, and I'm not diagnosing things. So we're not, quote unquote, changing things. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't fit into the medical model that much. But with that said, there is a neurologist. He is from Wake Forest. He did see it. He did see it work. And he understood the essence of that relaxation model and has used it now for over 500 patients in clinical trials mm. for postmenopausal hot flashes, for 
and migraines, for post-traumatic stress, for persisting post-concussion symptoms, for um, postural orthostatic tachycardia symptoms, POTS, um, and, and other disease states. You know, um, let, let me just take one, because it was kind of our, our, our hallmark injury, <laughs> which is mild traumatic brain injury, right? Moi, N equals one. And, and so what's called that, what that's called today when, a, when symptoms persist from a concussion, it's called persisting post-concussion symptom, right? PPCS. When symptoms persist for six months, there's much less likelihood that you're going to be successful in coming out of those symptoms. If those symptoms persist for a year, there's even less likelihood. And if they persist for a year and a half, you just better hang your hat on it. It's highly likely you're not going to get out of it. <laughs> very, very unlikely. So what, the, what Wake Forest did, and we worked with them, is took athletes. And uh, took 19 athletes who were out, I think, on the average of three years from the concussion and whose symptoms persisted. So they worked with them to relax their brain. From that then, they did measurements, right? Could the athlete go back to school or work? Could the athlete go back to play? Well, I'm telling you, if you have symptoms that persist six months, the likelihood of you going back to play in your field is almost zero. Mm -hmm. And if it's a year, you're at zero. Twelve of these 19 athletes went back to play at the average of three years. Wow. 19 of them went back to work. 19 of them went back to, all, all of them went back to work or school. They all got involved in daily life. All of them slept better. Why? Because I contend the brain had responded to the incident and had fired in a certain way that made it asymmetrical to protect the person on the one hand, but it wasn't protective now. It was compromising. And, but it didn't know that. So when we were able to reflect the brain back to itself, because that's what we do, and it could relax, it changed. But nobody changed it. I don't do anything to a brain, ever. I just help it to relax. You did it, so. so you say reflect the brain back to itself. You're showing, so on one side of the brain, it is out of whack. That's a very technical term that I, I just used. I got it, out of whack, got it. And so when you say reflect it, you are showing the health, you are showing a picture of the healthy side of the brain to the not healthy side of the brain to remind itself of this is the way it's supposed to be. You know what he's just describing to me? He's trying to he's trying to diagnose it, right? Okay. That's what you're you're trying to figure out what's wrong. <laughs> I mean, you're right. No, I, sure, but, but you can't. But you can't. So instead of trying to do all that, think about it from an engineer's standpoint. Think about it as a lever and a and a fulcrum. Okay. One side's high, one side's low, and you got a fulcrum. So now you want this to balance. Well, there's basically there's four ways to do it, but there's, say there's three ways to do it. You can add weight here. Okay. Push on one take side. Take weight here, off here. Alleviate. Okay. Or you can change the fulcrum. Mm. You can support the fulcrum. Well, the fulcrum change will bring not only the balance, 
but it'll be strength. So what we do is take the middle range of frequencies and we reflect them back to themselves and they seem to grow or strengthen and they seem then to allow the brain to rebalance itself and we don't have to do anything. We don't have to try to make one side heavier. We don't have to make one side lighter. We don't have to do any of that. Got it. And from going off George's question, so give me more about the, or give our listeners more about the how. Is it a, is it a wearable? Do you sit in a chair? Like how does it, how does it actually work? I come into we have a brain trick. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I come into your, uh, to your office. What happens? We have a clinical application. Okay. So we use, we can connect to all 64 different locations on the scalp. And in that clinical application, we look at, we evaluate, where is it off balance the most? Hmm. Then we go there for a few sessions and we try to teach the brain and it starts to move, maybe two, maybe seven if you're highly compromised, depending. But, and then the wearable goes home. You take the wearable and use it and you got that the rest of your life. You know, it's yours. And the wearable balances the emotional center and also balances the arousal or autonomic center. And those are the kind of the key functions. Doesn't mean that you're not going to have a, another trauma in life. Can't help that. Mm-hmm. Car accidents, deaths, life bankruptcies, life. Yeah. life, right? But it does mean that you're going to have a way to get out from under it. Yeah. Okay. So, and I, I'm not, it's not my intention to try to diagnose it. So I, I, I go I'll into give the, you a rough time. Right now, <laughs> I go into the clinic, you, essentially you, you're, we're attempting to take a snapshot and figure out where to put, where to move the fulcrum. I then take the, the wearable home and I'm using it, let's just say I use it once a week or on a daily basis. As my levels get correct, do I need to come in? I, I guess I would need to, to, to come back in, right? Because everything would be correct. You'd probably get better and better. You know, most people are going to get better. It's going to depend on what's what the, what the issues are, right? But you know, many many people just keep getting better. Yeah. Got you know, it. I'm actually 114, and probably wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. So have you? If gone, it's just if it's just people listening, <laughs> Lee looks amazing. <laughs> Is it? Uh, have you gone for like NIH funding, or how does that? Are you actually a medical device? We're we're not a medical device okay. at all. Gotcha nor did we want to be a medical device at all. Got it. Because when, when you put us into a medical device category, you take us out of the opportunity for us to deal with John and Jane Doe in the world. And then you put us into a field that does what? Every time they diagnose, every time they intervene. And we're a relaxation. However, now finally, we're getting to the point where we will have a product that will be, that we are going to apply for FDA approval for, for restful sleep. But until now, we haven't done that. And the reason is just because I, 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 the way I explained it. Secondly, we built this organically. This is built by... People, you know, we're, we're people. Engineers, we're technology company, we're, you know, we're just folk. 
And um, do we have expertise? Of course, we have. I mean, we have expertise on board of all kinds, but and we have consulting people too, and we have research people that work with the schools mm -hmm. and the Department of Defense is funding us, and the Re Army Research Office funded us, and others, lots of foundations have funded research too, because the question isn't just what do we have, but wow, how is this working? Isn't this something that the world needs to know, right? That, in fact, we could relax our brain and maybe change physical state in many, many various ways, dramatically even. Hmm. So that's what the research is about, not just about us, but about the, the essence of the brain is the organ of central command. And if you can relax it so it can optimally have energetically fire and rhythmically fire, you have something a lot more than you had before. Nope, no doubt about that. I was listening to a, a pretty interesting podcast recently, and they were saying, this, this, this gentleman was saying that if we were to go 100 years into the future and look back and say, wow, we were really doing a bad job in this area, he said that it's the way that we treat people with um, psychological and mental disorders. Um, and he was specifically referencing people that are in prison. A lot of them have some kind of a mental disorder. And instead of treating them, we lock them up. And I read on your site or I watched one of your videos that talked about the work you did at a prison. Yes. Love to hear a little bit about that. The question is, is my behavior based on my desire and experience, or might it be based on something else, an organ of central command called the brain? The behavioralist will often say, it's your desire and experience. The words I would have for in response to that I can't really use publicly, but I wouldn't agree strongly. I think that's stupid. When the brain moves three to ten times faster than my thought, how in the world can my thought actually dissipate if I feel angry? Really? I might be able to control it a little bit, but do you think I can, I can change it and not feel that way? The best I can do is the best I can do is is feel it coming on or you know catch it midstream so I don't do something too radical. When we went to prison, we went to a medium security prison where people were couched to go to maximum security in Nevada. We worked with the director of corrections, uh, Howard Skolnick at the time for the state of Nevada. And do, do you realize that? Um, these guys are tough. Some bad dudes. And so when I would express to you all that the brain will often shift from fight or flight or freeze, what do you th expect that I would have seen when I looked at those brains? Would those brains have been in fight or flight or freeze? Fight. Pardon? Fight. What do you think? Freeze. No, that's because he said the opposite. Correct. 
<laughs> oh, how do you work with this guy? I, trust me, I ask myself that. It's a pleasure. It was 256% differentiated in a freeze response. These guys were all in such a freeze response that they were clamped down. What happens when you're clamped down? Well, if you try to get out of it being clamped down, what's the best way to do it? The very best way. You know what the best way is? Rage. You know what the next best way is? It's more fun. Drugs. Mm. What do they do together? That's what they do. And that's what got them there. So when their brain's balanced and they could actually feel, then they could actually think. And you know what one of their first thoughts was? Oh my God, why did I do this? It was remorse. You realize that every crime affects over 125 people? Hmm. Every crime? Okay. Not just the person doing the crime, but his or her family. I believe it. The victim's family. A lot of people are affected by this. They gave us... So, <laughs> I wish Howard were here. You'd love him. He, he, he says, okay, so you think you're going to work with inmates, eh? Tell you what we'll do. We'll choose them. I said, really? And he said, yeah. So they took the <laughs> 70 bad boys out of 750. And the worst of the worst. Uh-huh. Okay. And they showed him this video. And I was just going, oh, boy. This is, you probably don't know, but this is like throwing briar rabbit in the briar patch. I mean, you know, for me, <laughs> give me the worst. And that's easier because the asymmetry is really big, and then they'll make a big change. So he took these guys, and he expected to get... And he said, we're not giving them anything. The fact is, if they want to participate in this program, they're going to use their free time to come in here and do this. Whoa. I mean, that's a big deal, right? Yeah. Because these guys are in medium security. So he showed it to the first 35 in the mess hall one night, gave them a little explanation about what we were going to do is balance their brain, and then had anybody that wanted to sign up. 35 signed up. No kidding. He showed it to the second 35 and 35 signed up. Wow. Guys, they know. They don't want to do this. You think of a three-year-old kid saying, oh, you know what I want to do when I'm 22 is I want to be in prison. I want to be in prison. Yeah. No one wants to oh, be in that please. position. Yeah. That doesn't happen. What a stupid thing to think, right? I mean, where did we get this? That's not true. So they knew. And then when they, and then by the way, all of them were bad boys because why? Because they were written up for violence. At least they were written up monthly, but most of them were written up weekly. While they're in prison. Right. One of the things we did when we, before we worked with them is that we asked them to do a third grade reader. So they read this paragraph. Um, Jane lives in, in a house and has a puppy. Jane takes her puppy to the backyard. Jane throws the ball, the puppy gets the ball and brings it back to Jane. All of them could read those words. Question, then where did Jane live? Well, did she live in an apartment? What did Jane have? Did she have a doll? They couldn't answer one question. Not one of those guys could answer a question. So they could read it, but they weren't. There's no comprehension. 
because they're frozen. Those brains don't roll. <laughs> we have a we have a parallel system here, parallel processing system. Both sides have to work. So when we then worked with them, and then they were able to read, they were able to totally comprehend, and in the next three years, all of them got through high school. Two of them graduated from four-year credit college. They're not stupid, and they're very positive, and guess what? Zero had an incident of violence. Not only from him, but to him. You realize what that means? It means if I get my tail in a jam, I can get out of it, <laughs> right? And I can work my way out of a gang. I mean, it's this is a huge thing. So Howard, Dr. Mr. Skolnick was really interested, you know, and he was the director of corrections and also the director of the all the uh, state correctional groups. But we couldn't get it rolled out. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't get it rolled out because of you and me. Because somehow, inherently, we feel that if somebody does wrong, what they deserve is to, to be punished. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's a that's a that's a societal change. You can't really you could do something about that. You can't change that. You can't do anything about that. So, would I rather pay seventy, sixty to seventy thousand dollars a year for that guy to be in jail, or would I rather pay a couple thousand dollars? And have him out work and paying taxes so I can retire better. Are you kidding? And then keep him from doing it again. Isn't this yeah. silly? I mean, this is so silly. So you have, um, you obviously have the results, the efficacies there. What do you say to folks that say this is too good to be true, or this doesn't seem like it would be, it would, it would work? Obviously, you have the results. Why is it not something that's you know scaled? Why is it not something that's scaled? I'm CEO of the company, so I have to take some responsibility for that. And I'm an engineer, and I've been a perfectionist. Okay. That's probably why it's not scaled. But that's probably also why where we are, right. where we are. Right. And now it's time to do that. Right. It's time to get started sometime. So now, now we're looking for a partner, and now I'm going to step aside, let somebody drive it that can scale it, mm -hmm. and I'm going to do what I do best, right? And help continue to help the engineering team, and we're going to change the world. That's awesome. So it's oftentimes events that motivate us to action, and <clears throat> you had the opportunity, or you created the opportunity to go into the prison, and you offered it to these to these inmates, and they accepted it. Um, I came back from from serving my country. I have PTSD. I I I, I want to explore this. What about what you initially created this for, let's just call it human optimization, getting better. So Centauri here, who's already performing at a very high level, how does how does he hear about this? How does he get involved? Would it have a dramatic effect on, on him? Well, you have to understand that the question about why isn't it scaled is the pertinent one. And um, it, it hasn't been because we, we just I didn't know how to do it mm -hmm. and didn't have the resources to do it. So we need a partner to help us do that. So that's first. Um, second though, um, 
you know, where we have a wearable technology that can be really, really helpful. It doesn't solve all the problems, but it's certainly highly, highly helpful. And um, and now we're going to have a version two of that because you know the first version we was paid for by the help paid for by the research uh, army research office. Okay, they gave us a grant, so we built the first prototype. Then we came out with our first product uh, January uh, 2016. We now have about 1,800 users on that product, 1,900, and then um, and now we're ready for a second version, which is going to be uh, really cool too. And um, you know you learn right, and we're going to take our previous version users along with us too, at, at cost in a Kickstarter campaign that we hope to kick off here in the next uh, 30 days or so. Well, that's really exciting. Pardon? How much do you need to raise for your first round? Um, well, I have to talk to my marketing people about that because I'm an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> got, it, got it. Got it. Fair enough. How? W- <clears throat> I'm a person who discovered meditation a couple of years ago, and I, I practice as consistently as I can, which means I like to do it every day, but I'm, I'm not always good about it. How, how would you compare this to, to meditation? That's a good question. Meditation <laughs> is a way to train your brain to, uh, to, to try to balance itself. Now, if you're reasonably balanced to start, you can be very successful at that training. If you're not very balanced, you're not going to be very successful. So when they try to do the meditation studies in prisons, for those people that they that persisted with it and could do it, they were highly successful. But that was only two percent or so. Right. So um, what we've done is, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a research guy. I'm an engineer. Um, and not only am I an engineer, but um, I'm a data guy. So my previous, I worked in a previous company, and um, Amazon was one of our first customers. So if you like this book, you'll also like these. Those are those are data algorithms that we figured out, hmm. and and these are data algorithms basically. And so when we look at meditation, we see data algorithms. And so we found and tracked those data algorithms for some. Um, monks from Tibet who were um, um, incredible, had incredible ability, and, um, and we learned a lot from that, and then as time went on, we honed and honed that, so now we have a meditation protocol. So once we get people's brains so it reasonably balances, then we allow them to go into a meditative protocol state, and we help them learn meditation. A large meditation center, retreat center in the United States is using our technology. Oh, nice. Exactly the same thing. First, to help you relax it and balance it, get rid of the monkey brain, right? And second, once you get rid of that, able to get rid of that more, to go into a meditative state, fast and deep. Right. Well, that's a powerful thing. Um, it, it was interesting. I, I went on YouTube and I was watching some of your videos, and, and in the suggestion box, there were some, some Buddhist monks that kind of popped up there. So, how do you feel about that? You have a, an opinion on that? It's just it's the algorithm. But. I don't. I mean, I think if hey, beans in your ear works. I'm all for you. <laughs> <laughs> whatever works, whatever works. 
I mean, you know, and certainly I believe in, I'm, I'm, I'm a person of faith and I believe in prayerful meditation. Um, and if you can get there, that's cool. If you can't come see me, I'll help you. Right. That's good. Nice. Um, so <clears throat> how does one that's somebody that's listening to this and they're, they're excited about the, what, what we've heard about today. And it sounds like you have exciting new technology coming out soon. How do we, how, how do I, um, come and, and, and find a center? The, how do um, I use your product? We, our website shows centers around the country. And, um, for me, if I were going to be a client to come to, to go someplace, I would go someplace that would incorporate a wearable that I could take home. Cause I don't just want to come in and get, right. get some sessions. I want to, I want to have a lasting effect here, guys. Right. I want to get the bang for my buck and I want to go a lot further and faster. One of the things I really regret, the only probably one of the major things I regret in my life, if I would have had this in my twenties, hmm. oh man, I mean, can you believe? <laughs> I, I mean, I would have been a dynamo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the, so I would find an office that incorporated the Brain Intellect 2 or the B2 with their service. And if they didn't, I'd find another office that did. Um, we just, we license the technology. We don't control them. Oh, we, okay. we can't control how they use it. You know, it's not a franchise, it's a license. Um, so you could lease a car. We were leasing cars. You could lease a car from us and drive it crazy if you wanted do to. Do like, Yeah, I, I could. But I would certainly use do, do one of those offices if I were you. And you said those are all available on your website? Yeah. And maybe this is not a question you can answer, or does, does insurance cover this? Is it? Because no, no. it's not a, yeah, it wouldn't be covered under insurance. No, insurance doesn't cover it. No. Okay. There, right. There's some, there's some interesting questions about our culture and taking care of ourselves and insurance. Um, you would think that insurance companies have a great benefit with well-being of their constituents. You would think that. Right? And in <laughs> fact, some insurance companies have tried to do some wearable stuff with their with their constituents, like Fitbit or whatever. Yep. How many steps have you walked? Right. Hey, how's your sleep? Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. You know, are you are you taking care of yourself? Yeah. And then kind of encouraging you to take care of yourself. And that's good. But um, but someday when the insurance company really gets, oh my gosh. These guys are dealing with the Oregon Central Command. And sleep is the basis for everything. Let's go for them. We'll have somebody. We'll have somebody come awake and think, you know what? We could take over this whole school if we could really lower right. incidence of various sundry disease states. And we could probably do that simply by relaxing the brain. Got it. And I apologize. I, I really want to ask this question. Um, does this work with kids? I, I know that, that ADHD seems to be diagnosed all over the place and there's a lot of kids running around that are, that are medicated and all that. And I'm not making a judgment about that one way or another. Is this something that, that, that could help a child? 
Um, children have a brain that's developing. Just because it's developing doesn't mean that they don't have concussions, they don't have traumas, they don't have abuse. Sometimes it's really highly, high, highly abusive. We, we worked with 10 kids for in lower socioeconomic group that were also in the lower 20%, uh, all of them in the other class academically. So um, I would venture to say that most people don't understand that trauma. They don't know what it means to have a parent that might not come home, that they might not have dinner, that they might get, they might hear gunshots in the neighborhood, that those are traumatic events. Mm -hmm. Understand that. Those brains are affected. No doubt. When they relax them, what happened next was that they went from the bottom 20% to the top 20%. Isn't that a miracle? No. Of course they will. Why? Because when you stress something, when you stress that muscle, that's how you build it. And when I stress, when you stress me, I get, I build too. And that's what you ha happens to you, and that's what life does, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we can take that and use it for them, wow, we have a potential that's probably unbelievable that we can't even see because we've stressed these people. They've been in stressful situations. Now if we can just relax them. Mm -hmm. Here's the bad news. The bad news is that we didn't have a brain select too. We didn't have a wearable. So all we had is a, some sessions for the kids, right? In a very small group, yeah. It's a small group and we only had sessions for right. them. So because of that, their next semester was good and then they really started to go, go down again. Hmm. Mm. Their environment didn't change. Right. So in order to help them, we'd have to find a way to work with them in an ongoing way and that would be a wearable device. So guess what? University of Texas says, maybe it's us. So they've applied for a grant to work with us, to work with a wearable device, and to work with schools where you may or may not understand this. But when there's a lot of violence in the school, it's not simply the people in the violent act that are affected, but more importantly even, it's the people that observe the violence. Of course. Yeah. And so they're going to work with those kids that, that, are, that undergo you know, experience, not in, not directly, but indirectly that violence to see what can happen. And I'm super excited. Well, it's certainly a reputable organization, the University of Texas. So, I, and I don't remember if Centauri already asked this, um, could this be bad for people? Um, you know, I think it could. If you are a real jerk and you want to stay that way, <laughs> <laughs> I, think it, I think you're going to have trouble doing it. I really do. So that's negative, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So, <laughs> but besides that, aside from that, um, besides sleeping better, feeling better, and being happier, yeah, your choice. I don't know. Right. Right. Excellent. So, um, Centauri, what, what, what have we forgotten to talk about? As our time is drawing to a close. Nothing got all my questions answered. Good job about uh, the, the skepticism piece, because I, I figured there'd be a lot of folks who were not against it, but just kind of, you know, um, apprehensive. So thanks for answering that question for me. Yeah, they, um, I often find that 
when somebody comes in as a skeptic, <laughs> I love it. Because all I have to do, you know, we had a, he actually went on our local networks. He was a quarterback, hmm. professional quarterback, um, LSU, two-time All-American, long ball passer. Um, well, if he's a long ball passer, what does that mean? That means he drops back further in the pocket. What does that mean? Lyman get a better shot at him, mm. right? What does that mean? He gets 19 concussions. He carried off the field another 14 times. So he's got a little problem about 50. He's got lots of problems about 50. And he comes here. But in three days, that brain relaxes. And he's he, he goes, wow. You know, this is... This is incredible. I can read um, because he actually couldn't read for 19 years. He couldn't read very well. Wow. Mm. And so, um, again, it's not a matter of not knowing the words, or you know, it's a matter of how the how symmetrical that brain will work, how rhythmically it will work, so you can get short and intermediate range kind of memory going on. So he did that. And he did it well. And, um, and then things changed. So um, it doesn't matter how long it's been. Okay. We've had um, World War II vet, 93, hasn't slept for since 46. Really? Wow. And hugged me and cried. I bet. Wow. That's, that is amazing. You see, this is a, this factory we carry, more connections than there are cubic meters in the universe. This is a powerful, powerful thing. More connections than there are cubic meters in the universe. I'm going to have to take your word on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't count them, but. Right, right. Well, Lee, we very much appreciate your time. Hey, thanks. Is there anything else you'd like to, to share before we, we call it quits here? Well, I think if, um, you know, and again, it, it may be not in my lifetime, but it will be, obviously, that we'll learn, humanity will learn, that, you know, a lot of this stuff we do is pretty stupid. <laughs> and guess what? That stupidity is not about us. It's not about our desire. It's not about what we want. It's about how our bloody brains are not are compromised from imbalance. Mm -hmm. And when you change that, you change. And it's for the good. So awesome. Thank you. And what is your website? It's uh, brainstatetech.com and it's brainwave optimization. All one word, dot com. Okay, excellent. And it's braintelect.com. Well, I guess we got three. Wow. <laughs> and we will certainly list all the locations in the notes of the show so you, you can find that. Um, thank you again. Hey, very, thanks, guys. Very much thank enjoyed you. it. Appreciate your time. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show, leave a review, tell a friend, and as always, keep questioning because the struggle is real.